Hey everyone, thanks for downloading the Tour Junkies podcast for the Arnold Palmer 2020. We're going to give you our picks, our favorite sleepers, our guys to avoid, some fade discussion here. Be sure and sign up for the Chalk Bomb, speaking of fade. If you've not already, go to tourjunkies.com, scroll to the bottom right of any web page, and there at the bottom you'll see a little input field. You can put your email in, and that subscribes you to the Chalk Bomb, which hits your email inbox every Wednesday, late afternoon, early evening. It's the best piece of free content you could get, whether you play DFS or you bet on the PGA Tour. We're also going to talk about the Players' Championship next week. We have media credentials. We've got a big content week scheduled. We're excited to tell you about that. Uh, We have a David versus Pat bet this week coming back. It's about a big name, and it involves the loser getting a henna tattoo on their tramp stamp spot. So it comes near the end. You don't want to miss that one. Speaking of the end, we are going to talk to our beginners out there. If you're just getting into Daily Fantasy or you want to, we're going to tell you, if you're a beginner, where we think you should put your money and some strategy, some contests that you should that you should be playing, some contests that you should be avoiding. The last 15 to 20 minutes is really crucial if you're just getting started playing DFS. So there you have it. Let's get to it. Thanks for listening. We're the two and two and two and two and junkies. We're the two and two and two and two and junkies. PGA Tour fanatics, golf addicts, podcast juice. You gotta have it. Special guest DFS, DB, and them long shots. From Augusta to Sawgrass, we got your picks, we got your stats. Catch a bus, catch a last. Sip some rose with Pat. All right, everybody, welcome to the Tour Junkies podcast for the Arnold Palmer 2020. I'm DB. This is Pat Perry. We are the Tour Junkies. If you're just now joining us, we're just two regular guys from Augusta, Georgia that love some golf. Been doing this about five years. We're here to talk daily fantasy golf betting on on the Arnold Palmer and we're just gonna have a great time tonight how you doing Pat I am doing fantastic um coming off a birthday weekend I was gonna say happy uh late birthday it was yesterday everybody needs to wish Pat a very happy kind birthday (laughs) well I appreciate that it was it was a fantastic day uh let me talk about it for a little bit just real quick because okay sure it's yeah so First off, um, I woke up, well, for, we had a party, um, a buddy of mine had his 40th birthday, which is coming up this week, but they threw a big party for him on Saturday night, so I just considered that as, as my party. Um, so, may have been, may have overserved myself. Uh, I can't, I can't say overserved like by someone else, like I, I overserved myself. Uh, and stayed out late, so, uh, was a little hungover in the morning, um, but woke up to the smoke alarm, which in our house sounds like, I mean... It can only mean one thing, that your wife is cooking. Yes, so <laughs> I am the cook of the family. Uh, we've probably talked about that before, but she has decided to serve me up breakfast in bed. Uh, does not cook bacon all that much. Doesn't realize that if you keep it on high when there's no bacon in the grease, that it tends to smoke up a little bit. And so uh, that's how I woke up was to a smoke alarm. Um, but I mean, fant- I mean, I, I I applaud her for the effort, and she made me a fantastic breakfast burrito with some fruit uh, and coffee and orange juice. It was you know it was great. Um, so that was fun. Uh, 
And then in true Pat fashion, I, we, I had a, uh, a tea time at 12.34. So it's mm. not like this was 8.34. This was 12.34 in the afternoon uh, with a foursome. And I showed up literally as we're about to have to tee off. Okay, God, that's, you that's, are the coming in hot guy. I, was, I am coming in hot guy even at 12.34 when I have plenty of time to get myself together and get to the tea time. But anyway, it was a fantastic day. I enjoyed golf. Uh, so it was a great 43rd birthday. Probably one of the best birthdays I've had in a little while. So it was nice. That's good, man. You know, That's you got to treat that. yourself for your birthday, okay? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you, you deserved every bit of that weekend. we got a lot of people on YouTube watching live right now, chiming in, telling you happy birthday, and everybody's being kind right now. So, um, yeah. Good stuff, Pat. Listen, we uh, we got a good week ahead with Arnold Palmer. Um, we've got an even bigger week next week for the Players' Championship. You're not going to want to miss what we have cooking for the players next week. Uh, tonight, I do want to give a quick heads up to the listeners for our ending segment tonight. We're bringing back just the tip, and we are going to hit, uh, for all you beginners out there, we've been getting a lot of tweets, DMs, emails from some folks who are maybe just getting started in daily fantasy golf. This is the time of year that people start to do that. They're they're itching because football's over. Um, we are going to talk through some entry-level things, concepts, contest recommendations. If you are just getting into this, um, we're going to talk through some of that and some strategy at the end of the show tonight, so you don't want to miss that. And for all you experts out there, maybe it's a good refresher for you, or maybe you just need to hang up after that. So, Although you never know what's going to happen. Um, we've had some wild ending segments here We lately. could go in any direction with, just, really the, with just the tip. Before we get into the course breakdown direction, I do need to let everybody know that all the stats that we're going to talk about tonight, 99% of them are provided by our friends at fantasynational.com slash TJ. That is where we've been going for the last three years to get all of our golf data, tournament history, key stats. We make our own stat models there, uh, ownership percentages we pull from there. You can have lineup generators. They have simulations. They have basically course data. Everything you want to know is at fantasynational.com. And when you go to slash TJ and sign up for a brand new membership there, you get 20% off your membership package. And that is weekly, monthly, or annual packages. And if you just want to try it out, you can use that, that slash TJ in the URL. Get your 20% off a weekly membership. And then if you love it, you still get the 20% off every membership after that. Um, so it's it's a it's a very very limited risk situation. But when we're talking about stats, that's where they're coming from tonight is fantasynational.com slash TJ. We really appreciate Moose and the gang over there helping us out and uh, and loving on us for the last three years. It's been really well, it's good. It's just so. a great site. I mean, it changed it the game for me when it came to my research yes. and things like that. So you can be as technical as you want to be. Um, or it's just everything's right there. I love it. So, hey, speaking of your research, let's get right into what we need to know for Bay Hill um, at Arnie's place. Love yes, you. yes, we are at Bay Hill Club this week for the Arnold Palmer Invitational in Orlando, Florida. It is playing 7,454 yards. They've lengthened it a little bit over the last couple of years. It is a par 72. There are 121 players in this field. The cut will be at T65 and ties. The reason it's less than you typically see is because it's an invitational status tournament, so they can have less players if they want to. It is by invitation. And I think one of the things that you can take from that is that you can probably take a little more risk this week. 
Um, maybe going down below, playing a little bit cheaper guys, um, because you're going to have more guys that make the cut than you typically see in most tour uh, tour events. So not like a WGC event. But still, less players, more guys are going to make the cut. So I think you can take a little bit more risk, maybe down in that 6K range. Uh, it, there are Bermuda greens out here uh, that run extremely quick. Uh, they'll have them at least at 12 on the stint meter. So they are very quick greens. Um, like last week, we got a lot of trouble out here. There are there's water in nine uh, in play in nine of the 18 holes. Also, there are eight. Matt, I'm pretty sure that's half. That is half. Yes. Yeah, so half the holes. Um, there are a ton of bunkers on this course uh, that can be very penal, so you've got to try and avoid those. Um, I do think hitting the ball in the fairway is important out here. Now, we talked the about... fairways the, aren't that hard to hit, though, right? No, we talked about this last week. The disclaimer that bombers always have an advantage. That, uh, we just don't need to keep... Uh, I hate that we have to keep saying that over and over again. But you're right. The fairways are pretty wide, but the rough is higher this year than it has been in years past. I've read that in several different places. I think I even saw a, a caddy or two that mentioned that as well. So I think that's important. And you, you got to, I mean, you do have to keep it in the fairway. I mean, if rough is this thick, you're going to be in trouble. So I do think that, that there is some importance on keeping it in the fairway at Bay Hill Club. This course plays pretty difficult. I mean, you look at last year, it played ninth most difficult on tour. In 2018, it was 15th. 2017, ninth again. And then 2016, it was 28th. I think it played a little more easier that, that year because of the wind was down. And that brings me to my next point. We'll definitely want to check the wind come Wednesday. So far, I've seen that it looks like it's going to be pretty gusty uh, on Thursday and even Friday. So I think wind is definitely going to play a factor those first two days. So we want to look at the tea time waves and maybe get to see if we, there's going to be advantage there. Um, what I miss, stats for me always, you know, I think course history plays a little bit more in this course than uh, you, you might look at most weeks. Um, obviously, always looking at recent form. I do like par-5 scoring. I think you've got to take advantage of the four par-5s that, that you're going to get out here. Um, I looked at putting on Bermuda. Also, strokes gained approach shows up well here. something that's extremely important. Um, and a little bit of driving accuracy, as I mentioned. Looking at past champions, we had... Francesco Malinari last year at 12 under. We had Roy McIlroy in 2018 at 18 under. Leishman in 2017 at 11 under. And Jason Day at minus 17 in 2016. Before that, you had back-to-back -back winners in Matt Every. Yeah. Matt freaking Every. And then Tiger yeah. before that, who has won here eight times, but is not playing this week. So that is your course breakdown db i'm sure you have additional thoughts arguments whatever no, else you might have i don't have any arguments man pretty clean here we know what we're getting with bay hill it's uh i, I do think the weather is going to be important to check like you said um you know if, if the if the if the rough is up which we should have we should get a fairly bit of confirmation out of that we've got a number of caddy buddies that are going to be on the grounds here at Bay Hill this week. One of them we just interviewed, and we will likely publish this week. Mr. Brett Swedberg is Ryan Moore's caddy. Hilarious guy. Had a great time talking to him. Um, our boy Dale Vallelli, who we just interviewed. If you haven't listened to that, you need to as well. He's Abraham Answers guy. Uh, of course, Gino's on the grounds. Aaron Fleener's on the grounds. we got a bunch of people there. So we should hear a little bit from them, and we can relay that information in 
the one place that you can get that now from us, and that is the Nut Hut. So if you have not joined the Nut Hut, that is our online tourjunkies.com private member chat room um, that is open 24-7 for fellow Nut Hut members to, to gather. And, uh, and just we're all just looking for that one little nut that's going to give us an edge when we're you know playing DFS or betting on golf. So it's $10 a month or $90 for the year. It's been fantastic so far. We're three weeks into this. This will be our fourth week, and or, or fifth week. I can't remember. We're loving it. It's been great. It's been a great community. Um, so go join the Nut Hut because on Wednesday night, Pat and I will be in there. I promise to get in there this this, yeah. this come on get this it. week. I promise. Yeah. Uh, it's been I, I've had some crazy stuff going on in real world life, and uh, I promise to be in there Wednesday night, mixing it up with everybody. Um, yes, Brian Halverson said it best. He just said, the Nut Hut is the kitty's titties. I would agree, Brian. Uh, I think that's a great call. So get in the Nut Hut, and we will share what we hear about the rough, about the conditions, about anything else that we feel like is, uh, is information that would give you an edge in your lineup construction or betting. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of a wide-open event here. You know, I mean, we've we got Bombers winning. you got Ball Striker. Kind of long iron play is, is important. Um, the Bombers are, similar to last week, going to be forced to, to club down on some of the tee shots here. But uh, the Bermuda I looked at uh, heavily, as I always do, long-term Bermuda. And definitely feel like it's predominantly a second-shot a, a second shot golf course. But if the rough is that much more penal this, this year um, and they don't trim it before Thursday morning, then uh, obviously you know being accurate off the tee is going to come – more into play than it maybe has in years past so we will see but uh, all in all I want some guys in form obviously um, and uh, yeah I wanted to be comfortable on Bermuda so there you go another uh, I did look at opportunities gained which is that proprietary stat from Fantasy National that reflects how many times in regulation or less a player hits within 15 feet of the hole either on the green or on the fringe so that's a unique stat to Fantasy National love that stat um, yeah so I'm ready to go. You ready? Yeah, let's get it. All right, start me off here, Pat. You got the nine k and above range on DraftKings. It's a it's a nice little field we got here. So kick it off. Other than Tiger, DJ. No, I mean we got a we got a really good field this week. So um, yeah, I mean I think that I'm gonna start. Well, I'm starting at the top with Roy. I'm going with Roy this week. I don't. I mean, look, he is the best player in the world right now. I don't mind the price at 11.8. I mentioned when I was doing the course breakdown that you know you can you can get a little risky this week. You can play guys in the 6K range, low 7K range, um, just because so many guys are making the cut compared to normal events. And he's just the best player in the world right now. Um, he's checking every single box that you would even look at, whether it's um, you know approach, ball striking, everything. I mean, he's just. I mean, you mentioned opportunities gained. He's third in the field in that stat. Um, so, I mean, I just think that across the board, it's hard for me to look at a guy like Rory, even at 11.8. I know that's extremely pricey and fade him. So, uh, my top pick in this range is definitely going to be Rory, and I will be playing a lot of him. Um, I will not, however, play him in cash. I do not think that that is particularly all yeah. that smart this week. So, I don't, I won't be doing that, but I do like, uh, I do like some Rory. Um, Next, I'm dropping down another guy I like in the 10K range, and that is Hideki Matsuyama at 10.6. I like him mm. a lot this week, okay? Now, 
his recent, I mean, you look at his form, he was sixth at the WGC Mexico. He was fifth at the Genesis, uh, which is obviously a very difficult course there, there on that week. Uh, it, it, so I think that, you know, I feel like Hideki's going to be maybe a little bit of the forgotten guy in this category. And maybe no. we'll, maybe we'll get, you don't think so? No, I don't. Okay. Well, anyway, um, you know, you look at his history here. The last three years haven't been great, but he did have a T6 back in 2016. Um, just a big fan of Hideki at 10-6 this week. So he is, uh, will be my second GPP play. And then I got to go, and I'm going to play this guy in cash and tournaments, and that is Adam Scott at 9,700. I love him this week. He has been playing fantastic. You look at um, his last several events. He obviously um, had a you know a win just a few weeks ago at the Genesis. He was T26 in Mexico, not not particularly that great. But Adam Scott's been playing extremely well. Um, definitely checking a lot of boxes, and I've just come off the screen here that had my boxes for for checking. Um, <laughs> so I can't look at it. But now now I see it. Okay, so. Tenth uh, in strokes gained approach, he's seventeenth in greens and regulation. Checks the box and opportunities gained, which you mentioned. He is second in the field in that category. So I think for cash and GPPs, you can play some Adam Scott at ninety seven hundred. My fade is going to be this. This one scares me because I, I really like this guy and he's checking boxes and everything. But we've never seen him play here, and that is Xander Schauffele at ten thousand. I think there, it, there's a little bit of an like last week at the Honda Classic. This is a tough course. There's a little bit of an experience factor that I do like, and so uh, I think I'm going to fade. I'm going to fade some Xander this week. Now he does check the boxes. He's been good as far as his, his recent forms concerned. Uh, not great, but pretty good. But you know, I think uh, he'll be my fade this week. So there you go. My bonus play. I got to give you a, a bonus play. What? A bonus play. We don't yeah. do bonus plays. Yeah, I want I want to throw him out there as a bonus play, not in cash, but as a tournament play, and that's Justin Rose at nine thousand. Okay. Um. So I'll start with what I hate about what you just said, and that is the Xander fade. That is a player that I have targeted here in tournaments. I think folks may avoid Xander. He may be a little lost here in this range. Um, he doesn't have the history here like you mentioned, but man, I am loving his last couple of events in terms of iron play. I mean, just in WGC Mexico, gained 10 shots with his approach play. 10. That's absurd. Um, just couldn't putt worth a darn. So, uh, I think, I think Xander's worth a GPP flyer. Um, I wouldn't even say he's a flyer. I mean, we know, we know the caliber player Xander is. Um, so I, I'm going to roll with Xander. He doesn't check boxes in terms of Bermuda play. It's actually his worst surface, and, and as you mentioned, no history here. But you know, He's 69th I, I, in the field, by the way, in driving accuracy, which you don't seem to, to put much of an emphasis on, but I, I think it is important. So. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not here. Uh, I, feel like, I mean, even if the rough is up a little bit, the fairways here aren't super narrow. I mean, they're not that narrow. But I just love the ball striking with Xander, and um, and I do think you're going to get some ownership leverage with Xander. Now, total agreement with you on Hideki. He was my top play here at 10-6. However, I don't think Xander's going to go under the radar at all. I mean, I mean uh, Hideki's going to go under the radar at all. I see Hideki in tournament play being somewhere in that 18 to 20-something percent range. Uh, I think he'll be chalk. But I definitely love him here. You don't, you, think that, just, but you don't think with Fleetwood coming off his week – 
and being a, a pretty good fit here and Bryson coming off of, you know, a second place finish and Rory yeah. I think still is gonna have some ownership as well. You, you yeah, I, I think the price with Hideki is still gonna pull some people in over Fleetwood. I mean just because he's I mean he just didn't play last week, but Hideki's been on on fire. Um another thing about Hideki, I looked over the last five years here at Bay Hill. He is eighth in the field in ball striking. So that's strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained approach. He's eighth in the field with those two stats combined. So he's all it's typical Hideki, right? He he ball strikes the crap out of it, tee to green, then he gets on the putting surface and he can't make anything. Um so that's that's the risk you always run with Hideki, but uh, I I do feel like I'm I'm liking what's happening right now. So uh, w- with his game, and you just gotta hope you get a hot week with the putter for him, and and there you go. Uh, so I, I like Xander, I like Decky, and then I'm going to some JM at 9500. Um, played here last year and played pretty freaking good uh, for his first time out. Finished third, coming off the win. Um, I'm not interested in fading him in another ball striking competition where iron play is crucial. Now he's got the win under his belt um, at a course that he played one time and finished third. I think you could see Xander do something similar here. Um, so I, I'm and the price is so good for him at 9,300. I think I'll take it. You I think 9, M and, and 9,500. I think M and Decky are going to be are going to be some chalk I'm eating in this range, but uh, you know. In, in, you don't think? In I mean, is M not? He's not going to be celebrating just big time, coming off his first. Does he win? look like a guy who's going to be like getting hookers after? I don't know. I don't think so. He doesn't. He doesn't strike me as a guy who's just going to go go bananas and and be hungover for the next three days. I can't. Like I can't say speak for the guy. He could be a party animal. He could be. Yeah, he doesn't strike me as a party animal. He's barely drinking age, right? I don't even think. I, even think, I think he's 21. Um, in cash, I'm, I'm going Sungjae. I, I love Sungjae here. In ca- I, I, he feels as safe a bet right now as just about anybody on the board other than Rory, um, just in terms of making the cut. So uh, I'm going Sungjae in cash, and my fade is going to be old Tommy Ladd at 11,000. I know I, fade, you know, I, I faded him or faded him a couple weeks ago or something. Um, I, you faded him last yeah. week. It was last week. It all comes down to value again, and and I and I'm going to say this all throughout the year. It's value, 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 uh, and I think a lot of the sharp DFS players out there are always thinking value over almost anything. And I think Fleetwood, like I would rather play Rory, um, but when you've got Decky down there and Adam Scott, who you mentioned, I just don't know that there's there's significant enough return on Fleetwood's cost at eleven thousand. Um, to to you know to pay for in DFS, so it's purely a value play for Tommy, uh, and hopefully he ends up being high owned as well, and I can also fade him for that reason, and then I'll feel I'll feel good about that as well. So Fleetwood's a fade. He could he seems like a guy to me that like if we go if we get to later in the week and we're looking at ownership projections and he's he's looking fairly low that I could get get turned on to. I, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not hating your fade, but I'm wondering. I don't hate the. I don't hate his game for this place. I mean, it's not about that at all. It's purely value right now. Purely value. You got to fade somebody. You can't play them all here, and and it just comes down to that's the guy that I can't bring myself to pay for. Yeah. You know, if Brooks were up there, it'd be Brooks. If you know, so. There you go. Okay. Well, we can move on to the 8K range real quick though. All right. Just start subtle. off. Two, Justin Rose. Two Justin Rose. Okay. That's the gut two, play of the two week. Two plays. Okay, two tournament plays in the 8K, one cash, and a fade. What you got? All right, so I'll start off. 
at the top here, and I like some Hendrick Stinson at 8,800. And I know we haven't seen him play all that much this year, um, but he is obviously great on this course, uh, has incredible course history, has gained 42 strokes over his last five events here with uh, a missed cut back in 2017, but in that time frame he had three top finish finishes in the top four, T17 last year. Uh, you know, he's a guy that definitely checks the box as far as driving accuracy. And on holes like you talked about where you have to kind of dial it back a little bit, maybe hit three wood, he loves to do that. Very comfortable doing that off the tee. He's third in the field in strokes gained approach. He is 15th in the field in par five scoring, sixth in opportunities gained. So I think Stenson's just a, a great play here. I don't know what his ownership's going to look like. It may be a little bit too high with his, his history. Um, but I do like some Stenson as well at, uh, at 8,800. And then I'm going back with uh, Colin Morikawa at 8,400. Now, I did talk about experience. He obviously doesn't have it here um, because this is the first time playing. But it, it just hasn't seemed to matter for Morikawa. I mean, Mm-mm. every course he plays, he can play well on. He's a great ball striker. You know, you look at, um, I mean, checking boxes across the board, fourth in approach, 24th in driving accuracy, fourth in greens and regulation. 7th in par 5 scoring, 20th in opportunities gained. I mean, I'm just I'm not jumping off the Morikawa train until there's some really good reason to do so and he's not showing that. So, and and I think the price is pretty good there at 8400. I mean, just the way he's been doing playing and the cuts he's making and everything. I mean, I don't know. So, I like him at 8400. My cash play though is and I you could, I could see playing Colin in cash, but I don't know. The experience factor may take me off of that, but I don't know. But Mark Leachman is my cash play at 8,600. I love him this week. He's obviously won this tournament before, um, so he checks the box as far as course history is concerned. He also is a a pretty good putter on Bermuda. Uh, He is actually... Where is he? He's top 20 in the field, I know, in Bermuda putting. I could be wrong on that, but... Um, so uh, I like he is 16th in the field over yeah. the last 100 rounds. So I like I like his putting stats here. Um, so his form has has been pretty good as well. So I think Mark Leishman is just a, a very solid cash play um, this week. Mo, do you um, want my fade? Yeah, gonna blow your mind with a fade. Tony okay. Finau. Tony Finau Ooh. is my fade at 8,900. I'm getting crazy this week, and I love some Finau. fade, man. I so love some Finau, and it's, it is tough to fade, but like you said, in, in any kind of event, you got to plant your flag somewhere. Um, you know, he's he's been – he hadn't played here since 2017 where he was T28. He was uh, 43rd and 16, missed the cut in 2015. So nothing too great as far as uh, the course history is concerned. You look at the stats also. He checks a box for sure in strokes gained approach, but he is 88th in the field in driving accuracy. He is 94th in par 5 scoring. So I'm just i not a huge fan of Finau this week. I think he is going to underperform that price, um, which isn't terrible. I mean, I thought he might actually be sort of low 9K range, but he will be. Uh, he's going to be my fade this week. You know, I, yeah, I looked at Finau. He's interesting. Um, it's always tough to fade Tony. You just, you want, you like him so much. You want him to win. He's just a guy you pull for. 
He's uh, he can show up in big events. Um, he obviously is a really tremendous ball striker. It is tough, man. It's tough. There's definitely some value around him, even lower than him. It's a bold fade call. Much respect. Much respect. You know, his worst surface is definitely Bermuda by a long shot in terms of putting. But, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting call there, Pat. I'm Mad props to you for that. I'm trying to get bold out here. I'm putting myself out there, and I'm not afraid to do it, DB. Well, I guess the theme for me is going to be ball striking Asians that you pray to God can putt. And that, so that leads me to my first pick in the 8K range at Byung-Hun Ann. Um, I'm going, I'm going Byung-Hun Ann, who just needs to put four together. He just seems to be having a blow-up round where he just craps the bed or something. I don't know what's going on. But, um, uh, you know, checking the boxes in iron play as always. In fact, in this field, in, his, in the tournaments he's played in at Bay Hill in the last five years, he's sixth in ball striking, so off the tee and approach play here at Bay Hill. So obviously comfortable there. You just got to rely on Byung-Hun Ann to do exactly what you know, you're trying to get Hideki to do, which is make some putts. Now, uh, his worst putting surface is Poa, uh, and then he's pretty neutral at Bermuda and Bent. So a little bit of hope can be found there. But just last week at the Honda, finishing fourth, he gained 1.2 strokes putting. He gained, I want to say that again, last week, Byung-Hun Ann gained 1.2 strokes putting on that Bermuda surface at the Honda. That That's is the amazing. First time that, I know that didn't happen in the first round, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know, some total. It is the first time he's gained strokes putting in a golf tournament with Shotlink data since the, since the Shriners in October. No, I'm sorry, since the Sanderson Farms in September. My That's goodness. It. Yeah, it, um, it's been a long time. So I'm going to pray that we ride the hot putter with the ball striking. I think Byung-Hun An is a really solid play in this range. Um, I like your Leishman play. I'm going to I'm gonna roll with Leishman in cash. I do feel like he's, he's going to be pretty chalky. He's former winner here. Checks a lot of boxes. I'm not mad at Leish. If you're going to eat some chalk in this range, I don't mind you eating a little Leish chalk here. But I'm going to drop down for my final GPP play. I'm going to go at 8,100 to Terrell Hatton. Mm, I don't uh, mind it. Don't mind it. I, I'm liking a little Terrell Hatton, a really solid putter. We've seen him play very, very well in, in the last two WGC events, played well at the CJ Cup. He's one of these guys who, you know, honestly, if you look at, if you look at, if you compare especially recently, like, let's say last year and, and, and up until his results with Tommy Fleetwood, they're not that much different when they cross over and play on the PGA Tour. We know Paul Azinger made a couple of comments about uh, the European Tour players coming over here. But if you look at Terrell Hatton's play um, in, in, the, in the last you know 10 months on PGA Tour events um, or majors, it's not that different from Tommy. Um, so I think that's very interesting with Hatton. I love the putting ability here. He's got some experience here at Bay Hill as well, uh, including his best finish was a fourth in 2017. Hadn't missed the cut yet in, in three attempts. So I think the value for Hatton is there, and I think you're going to get an ownership dip for him too. So I'll take Hatton and on in tournaments, Leishman and cash. And then my fade, I, I do think this is kind of a tough range to fade because I think you get some value here. Um, but a guy that I, first of all, rarely seem to get right. Well, I don't know if I'll say that. I, I probably do get him right because most of the time I fade him, and most of the time it turns out 
pretty good. Uh, but he has a pretty strong history here, and that is Matthew Fitzpatrick mm, at 8500. I, I knew that's what we were going to. He he does put the ball. He does put the ball well, pretty much on any surface he's on. But uh, even despite his history here, okay, so he's got a really good history here. So he's got a, a runner-up last year, missed the cut in 18, a 13th in 2017, and a 27th in 2016. Despite all that. When you look at those rounds and you add them all up, he is 87th in this field in strokes gained ball striking on Bay Hill in those four years, which means he did everything with the putter, which is what he does. And even for the best putters in the world, there is more variance in the putting than there is in the ball striking. So if i got to pick somebody to fade here, I'm going to go with Fitzpatrick. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm out on Fitzy. I also just don't think he has tremendous upside yes he, he has some top fives he's got some worldwide wins but he's never won on the pga tour and, and the top tens are are limited on the pga tour i just think the upside for him is low do i think he'll make the cut yes but do i think the upside of a t10 is there i don't think it's great compared to others in this range so if i got to find one fitzy's my guy okay well, he did finish second here last year, so... I know, I know, I, I just said that. <laughs> that hey, we're that. making two bold ones here, I think, with Finau and... Uh, well, I think this is a tough range. I mean, it I is. I think it's seriously a tough range you to could make go, a complete you could, fade call. Yeah, you could make a case for anybody in here. Um. All right, 7K range, got a ton of options here, Pat. What What are you doing in the all 7K range? All right, um, well, since I'm starting every range here, um, I'm going to yeah. start with... Um, I'm gonna go with a little Homer pick here, just because I like him and Kiz. I think he's. What? Kiz. I'm gonna go with Kiz. <laughs> I like him here. Um, I like the price at 7,800. He's been playing well. Uh, you know, he's he's kind of been hit or miss here, but he did have he was second to Leishman back in 2017. Was T23 last year. Uh, this is just a good course for him. I mean, it's it's one of those courses where you don't have to be particularly. I, I say this. I don't think you have to be long to to win on this course. Um, yeah. I think you long is obviously an advantage, but you don't have to be long to win out here. Um, you know, so he's he's 23rd in the field in driving accuracy. Checks the box on that opportunities gained stat that you mentioned. I, I just think this is a good spot for kids. He's coming off of a couple week uh, a break. I mean, his the last tournament we saw him in was what was it? Um, back at the well i guess he did play wgc mexico golly he must have just been kind of absent during the mexico tournament because i never really even he was kind of an afterthought to me but uh, i don't think his ownership is going to be too high at all um he did tweet out by the way i don't know if you happen to notice that during the the wgc mexico event that he thought he'd kind of found something that week um mm. so i thought that was interesting for him to say that he, he doesn't typically do that um no he doesn't so for him to say that That's was a little, a little bit interesting to me so i do like kids at 7800 also i'm going to go with a guy that i've faded a little bit this year and that is rafa cabrera bello at 7600 now another guy that played extremely well here last year he was t-third in his first ever start here so i'm contradicting myself a little bit and taking a guy that you know i mentioned experience well he didn't have any experience here but he did well the first time he started here but we've seen him play well the last few weeks i mean he was uh, kind of like xander's gonna do this year yeah we'll see what happens on that one maybe maybe we need yeah. to have a bet there um t16 uh was uh rcb at the uh, wgc mexico he was 17th at the genesis 
Um, you know, he's a he is a good putter on Bermuda, and he's accurate off the tee. I like some RCB this week at 7,600, so he will be one of my other tournament plays. And then I'm going to go with a guy that we actually this is this has been a theme another theme all year for me. A guy that we interviewed as caddy last week, and Ryan Moore at 7,400. I like him this week. He is uh, he's one of those guys that just tends to like. He's a course history guy to me. Like he, like when he pops as far as course history, I feel like he's always just going to show up well. And I, I like him this week. Um, and he played well at the Genesis back with you know a few weeks ago with a T30. Um, you look at his you look at his last four times he's played here: T33, T5, T34, and then a 74th back in 2016. I think this is a good course for Ryan Moore. I think he's comfortable here. Definitely check check in boxes. He is 11th in the field in strokes gained approach, seventh in driving accuracy, fourth in that uh, in opportunities gained. Um, checks a box also in par five scoring. So I like Ryan Moore as a tournament play. Definitely think he'll be pretty low owned. As far as cash is concerned, it's hard to avoid playing Ian Poulter in cash at 7600. Mm. I just think he's he's automatic here. He lives in the area. Likes the course, has, you know, I don't even know when he's ever, I mean, has he ever missed a cut here? I'm sure he has. Um, I don't th- not, not recently. Not, not that I can remember when yeah. it was. Um, you know, he's a, he's a good scrambler. He's great out of bunkers, um, which we know are all over this course. Um, so I think Ian Poulter and Cash is, is just pretty dadgum safe. All right. Fades. Yeah. Okay, yes, fades. Two fades. Go ahead. Fades for me are going to be J.B. Holmes at 7,400. And I'm going to fade Charles Schwartzel, even though I loved him last week. I don't like him on this course. He missed the cut the last time he played. Good call on him last week, by the way. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, But I'm just, I think maybe you'll see a little more ownership uh, his way since he did have a good week. But... He's still, he's still iffy. He's kind of up and down, not checking any boxes across the board for me at all. I mean, none. Um, and I haven't looked at putting. I don't. He may, maybe he'll check a box in putting. Let's see. Uh, Charles. Charles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he gained he is twenty six in the field. He is twenty six in the field in putting on Bermuda. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of his game that's been. You know, great outside of last week. So I, I think Charles is going to be what? my fade. My other fade, by the way, was was I really wanted to. I, I, I think Nicholson is kind of the easy fade here. I mean, he's up there at 7,900. He's just crazy off the tee. I don't really see any anything there, but I don't know. I think I'm going to I'm going to go with Charles coming off of that great week last week. Uh, I'm going to get a little bold there. So. By the way, Charles gained nine strokes putting. Last no, he's he's week, yeah, he was putting it all. He was putting it, putting his I ass. Mean, that, that's gonna that's gonna regulate. I mean, for sure, that's gonna regress. I think is what the smart people call it. Um, by the way, Pat, something happened in the YouTube live chat that's never happened before. Gress Bearden donated five dollars to us. Uh, apparently, there's something called a super chat where. He can you can donate five dollars, so more people should be a lot like Wes. He just said friendly donation, uh, and he gave us five dollars. Thank you, Wes. That's freaking awesome. Where does that um, go? I don't even know. Well, I guess we'll find <laughs> out. Probably like Bitcoin or something. Does it go know. to charity or something? No, I think it comes to us somehow. Magic. 
He asks if Rory is a must. And we, we talked about Rory already, but I, I don't think the top player in the field is ever a must. I don't care who it is. The, the, the history, the course history that Rory has here is already priced into the value or to the, to the price tag at 11.8 on DraftKings. So it's already there. But I don't think that the top player is ever a must. Now, I do think there are some weeks more so than others where I think it's, I think it's more okay to, to, to play the top player. And I don't hate Rory this week at all. Um, you know, but, and, and I know Pat mentioned you're, you're very interested in playing him. And, and I don't, if you want to play him, I think you play him. Is he a must? I'm never going to tell you the top player is a must. So, um, Pat, in the 7K range, you, you got some interesting picks. First of all, I'll make this pretty quick. My two fades were J.B. Holmes, who you already mentioned, um, and then Phil Mickelson. Uh, just two erratic prices, not worth it. Uh, there's better value around him. Uh, Holmes sucks on Bermuda. That's his worst surface. So I, I took the easy fade with Phil and also J.B. Holmes, which is probably also an easy fade, but it is what yeah, it is. Yeah, J.B.'s 104th, by the way, in the field and putting on Bermuda. Yeah, terrible. Um, my cash play is Ian Poulter. I, I like Poulter here. I also have him in tournaments. I, I, I like Poulter a lot at 7,600. Uh, sneaky good week last week as well at the Honda, finishing T27 and really like just checking his checking the boxes kind of across the board had a good week across the board at the honda from t to green and putting uh which i really like to see that with with ian getting warmed up here he's 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 uh in familiar territory in in florida so um i, I like polter tournament or not now for my next two picks i'm hoping to get a little bit of tournament leverage here because i'm going to drop I'm going to go to our boy, Joel Damon, who I rarely play. I don't play Joel a lot, but I'm going to play Joel at 7,300. Really like what he's been doing uh, at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am and the Genesis. And I like him on I, I like him on a tougher track like this. I, I, think, I think this place suits his game. It's not, like you said, it's not a place where you have to be a bomber to play well here. But his iron play right now is very, very good. Um, the, the ball striking is just is solid. And even with his miscut last year at this tournament, he still hit the ball pretty well tee to green. He just did what Joel does, and that is not putt well. So um, at least Bermuda's not his worst surface. He loses he loses strokes putting across the board uh, on any surface. But at least it, at least it's not you know it's not uh, it's not his worst surface. So uh, really really liking Joel here at 7300 and the value that I get. Finally, my last tournament play here is a guy I was on last week, and that is Taylor Gooch. Taylor with no Y. Taylor Gooch at $7,000. Love the price relief that I get with Gooch. He checks the box across the board in terms of, uh, you know, in, in terms of approach play, opportunities gained. Played here two years ago, finished 26th. And he's coming off, you know, some pretty decent finishes. Uh, he kind of fizzled a little bit on the weekend at the Honda, but still – you know, rounded out to a T38, but I think he's got pretty solid upside, and, uh, and and I think the Gooch is loose yet again this week in Florida. So there you go. I don't like and that Pat, play. Are you sure that wasn't Pat, me that that took what? was on Gooch last week? Maybe it wasn't. I think it was I, me. I, I played him in some lineups. But good. Pat, our friend Aaron Favre gave ten dollars, and then Wes went back and gave twenty dollars. So we're just racking it up here. We're making money left and right, hand over fist on YouTube Live. I amazing. can't even believe it. I don't even know. I don't. I don't, I don't even I, know where the money goes, though. We don't know where the. We'll let you guys know if we ever get the money. <laughs> Surely YouTube like sends us a check or something. I don't know. We, I, I don't doubt know. they're sending checks. 
<laughs> and Adam's getting pissed because they're making him look bad. <laughs> yeah, if you guys aren't Aaron Favre or Wes Beard, you need to get out of here. Just kidding. Um, all right, anybody in the 6K range you're digging, Pat? Actually, several guys. You know, I talked about it earlier on the top, on the on the top of the show. Uh, that uh, you know, with playing Rory, you gotta you gotta look at some guys in the 6K range, and I think there's a few guys you can look at. I'm gonna start with Naismith at 66 or 60, is it 6800. Sorry, I didn't write it down. Yes, 6800. I'm surprised that he's not getting more of an ownership. I mean, not an ownership, but of a, a price bump. The way he's been playing. I mean, this guy has been. I mean, you look at his last few events. I mean. Let's see. T38 at the Honda on a very difficult course. T6 in Puerto Rico. T11 at the AT&T Pro-Am. I mean, he has been just absolutely on fire. I mean, the stats, checking boxes, you know, strokes gained approach, greens and regulation, his par-5 scoring. He's top 10 in the the field in par-5 scoring. So I think Naismith, you just continue to ride that until it, it, it bucks you. And I don't think it's going to buck you this week, even though he doesn't have any experience on this course. So I like some Naismith. I like our AT&T Pro-Am champion, Nick Taylor, at 6,700 this week. Um, I think he is a good play as well. Um, Let me get down to him here. Sorry, I'm a little late here. Um, Finished T35 back in uh, 2015. Missed the cut the last time he played here. Obviously, we know he's in, in good recent form. Uh, you look at the stats, though. He is ninth in the field in driving accuracy, tenth in greens and regulation, thirty-eighth uh, in par five scoring. So I, I think uh, I think old Nick Taylor makes for a good play there at sixty-seven hundred. Um, you look at um, hang on. I did want to look at his putting stats, which I don't think are probably that good. Yeah, he's an average on on Bermuda greens, but I still like some Nick Taylor. And then Harry Higgs, big on some Higgs this week. I think this is a this is a great course for him. Um, he has obviously been in good recent form. I, I think he kind of stay stay on that, just like our boy Naismith as well. Um, so with Higgs, I'm a big fan. And I can't find oh, looking at stats: 22nd in driving accuracy, 19th in greens and regulation, 17th in par five scoring and 15th uh, strokes gained off the tee. So I think Harry Higgs is another good play in this range at 6,700. There's a lot of guys, really, that you could look at. Yeah, and and I, I like just about everybody you mentioned there. Taylor I didn't really have circled, but I'm never really on him. Um, but I like Naismith. I like uh, I like Higgs. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, you can with a 120-man field and, and more than, you know, 50 – you know, 55 around 55 percent of them or so are going to make this cut. Um, so a higher cut percentage, you can dip in here and feel feel okay. Um, the guy that popped the most for me in terms of stats is Sebastian Munoz, and he's he's never played here before. But in terms of stats and you know recent form is solid too. Uh, Munoz is 6900. I feel like he's playing really well. Um, I, I agree with the Naismith play. Uh, I like Higgs. I like uh, Lanto's interesting here. I think I think a guy who, if you look at long-term form, is about as solid as as they come around here. But but short-term form, he's gonna he's not that great, and he's gonna throw some people off in terms of ownership. Is Andrew Putnam? Andrew mm-hmm. Putnam missed the cut at the Genesis, missed the cut at the Waste Management. But before that, the guy was rattling off 
I mean, he didn't he didn't he didn't miss a cut until since the Heritage, um, and I, so I think if you put some value on long term form, plus Andrew Putnam's best putting surface by far is Bermuda. His worst is Poa. You had the Genesis and you had the waste management out there. Um, I just think that's part of it, and I think you're going to get a little ownership relief with Andrew Putnam. I like him better than you know than than some of the you know the other names in there in terms of just tournament ownership relief. So, um, <laughs> I just what do you think? I like him. I like what you're talking about. But I'm just all of a sudden I'm scrolling down and this this like going really low here, and I'm looking at 6,300, and I'm and he's he's checking boxes. If you look across the board. Um, approach, driving accuracy, um, greens and regulation, off the tee, whatever. A guy that you were on and you rode up last week uh, as a first-round leader vet, Doc Redman. And that that mother effer, not only did he, like, threaten first-round leader vet, yeah. he missed the damn cut, yeah. which is, just shows you how crazy Honda Classic Week is. Like, yeah. that dude was... In the lead, like you are sweating that as a first round leader bet, and then I'm sitting there looking at him <laughs> with a missed cut. He might be actually worth playing this week because I think no, it's, I, it's, I think he 6300 is dirt cheap for, yeah. for the upside that Doc brings. Um, I, I think that's very, I think that's very legit. I think there are some names in here. You know, narrowing this range down is going to be interesting for uh, Wednesday night's Nut Hut discussion. A lot of people on YouTube right now asking about Jazz, uh, Janowatanon or whatever it is. Um, I know a lot of people love to play Jazz. Um, I just, like, what what's special about, about I don't him? have like, any. I know, I know I he's talented. At, yeah. he, he's played some good, you know, some good events. But when you look at how he's finished, like, what's, what's special? Other than the HSBC, there's just not a whole lot to – I mean, I, there's just guys down here – you know, don't I say this all the time? Like, don't forget the guys that are around him that play the PGA Tour regularly and play it at a at a decent level. Um, I just would like odds are those guys on, in the long term are going to perform better than than Jazz, right? Yeah. Um, like you got so Zach just, Johnson and Patrick Rogers right there around him. I mean, you're, you're, yeah. I mean, Rogers is playing good. Mark Hubbard's been playing really good. Yeah. He's a 6,500 right there near near him. Denny McCarthy just missed his first cut in like 10 years. Fratelli uh, like, is a why PGA Tour play. winner at 6,500. I mean, there's just I just don't see. Yeah. It. I do think you can like like we said, you, you can take a little more risk and maybe if you want to throw him in a lineup, throw him in a lineup. But yeah. Um, he's how about Doc Redman's real first name is actually Doc. They told us that on the on the on the the uh, broadcast on Thursday as I was sweating that first round leader. Real name is actually Doc. Wow. Yeah. And great. Um, I mean, that's great to hear. They're getting into the. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, who? That's that's good area. stuff. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um. Yeah, it's gonna be good, man. Good tournament. I'm excited about the Bay Hill, the Bay Hill deal, and the Arnold Palmer. Um, it's a good, it's a great event, man. I, I'm I'm more so excited about the Players Championship next week because. We have media access. We're going to be there all day Tuesday and all day Wednesday, and we're going to be getting all the content, all the, uh, the the info on the golf course. You do not want to miss the the week that is the Players' Championship next week. First of all, we're going to start it off on Monday night with the podcast where, guess what? 
for the second time in like a month, me and Pat will be together at Pat's house doing the podcast. Not sure how we're going to do it, but it'll be a lot of fun. And if you watched our last live podcast, it was uh, it was a little off the rails, and it was a lot of fun. I think it's going to be we it's going to be it's going to be incredible. You might see appearances from my kids, my dog, who David affectionately calls Golby, even though that's not his name. Um, yes. Like there could be all kinds of stuff that happen. Um, it's going to be fun. Looking forward to the the TPC. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, we're we're going to try to deliver some ins- – we're going to have a ton of inside information, um, a ton from coaches, from caddies, from players. We're going to give you everything we got I, on uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday of the Players' Championship. It's going to be great. Can I ask something about maybe, – maybe this is an offline question. Okay. Uh, but are you sure that not just you has the media access? It's like the- – <laughs> And the reason I asked that is because we got an we got an email uh, with an invite uh, for the media to a party on Wednesday night um, at at the clubhouse, and it was addressed to you, not oh, yeah. me or anybody else. So I'm I'm now I'm a little bit concerned that I'm going to show up and they're going to be like, I, I guess just a roll of dice for you, bud. I guess just a roll of dice for you. I'm not I'm not really sure. We'll uh, we'll okay. try to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, next week is going to be awesome. You you are going to want to make sure you follow along with that. I I, I do want to talk quickly about lessons learned from the Honda. Lessons learned from the Honda. It is an interesting. There's a week. lot of every lessons single, to be learned. Every single year, it's an interesting week. First of all, um, so glad to see Sung J M win. We both talked him up on the podcast. Now he did make an appearance in the Chalk Bomb, but uh, you know, good to see him win. Um, Here's the thing about the chalk bomb last week. Was it a ballsy chalk bomb? Yes, it was. It was very ballsy. Uh, but if there was a way to, to, to kind of come off the heater that the chalk bomb was on, it was to name five players um, and just get real gutsy with it. However, if you read it closely, the concept behind why those five players were the chalk bomb made a lot of sense for the Honda, and I think the Honda yet again proves it, it is a highly variable golf. We tournament. just we it, Ben just happened to pick probably the wrong guys, but the theory well, be, the theory behind what he did I think was pretty smart when it comes to this event. Wouldn't you? Yeah, wouldn't you, I mean, you'd agree. Yeah, I mean it was based on it was based on uh, it was based on the, your 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 ownership, your top five ownership guys, your 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 most chalky plays at the Honda tend to trunk slam and not do as well, more so than almost any other tournament that we see. It's it's crazy. The variability is so insane. Um, so, you know, looking at Fantasy National, the five guys there were, were your five guys. Um, but, you know, other sites, and, and actually what it ended up being was actually uh, a little a little different. Um, so that, that the ownership projections were a little a little off, but that, that tends to happen, right? Um, your your most popular names, Billy Horschel. I'm looking at it right now from uh, from last week. These are actual numbers. Billy Horschel was your most popular on average. He finished 42nd. If you'd have faded him, you'd have been just fine. Byung Hun An was the second. He finished fourth. That probably would not have been a great fade. Gary Woodland was third. He finished eighth. That probably wouldn't have been a good fade. Your fourth most popular player was Ricky Fowler, who missed the cut. Um, then Sung Jay, then Fleetwood, then Justin Rose, who missed the cut. So, I mean, there's a ton of variability in this golf tournament, and I think it's interesting. Now, I saw some stuff on Twitter going around about, you know, 
should you next year let's play less DFS and bet more? Um, which I, I kind of like the the thought of having more outright tickets for that event next year because we we see long shots win, we see um, kind of middle of the road guys win, and 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 I like that. However, I know our boy Ben, who writes the chalk bomb, would definitely agree or, or argue that it. Why would you not play more DFS because of the variability? Because you get, you know, you you have that variance that you sometimes don't get in tournaments where we know the chalk is going to hit. Uh, personally, for my for my stress levels, I think I will I will go the the former route and end up just having a little more outright tickets next year playing a little less DFS and, and go there. But I could be talked out of that. I think. See, I, I'm like totally, I'm totally different. Like I, I just like, I think like next year I'm going to get balls to the wall and go even more because if you hit it right, because of the way this is, if you just happen to hit it right, you're going to, you're going to have one of your best weeks ever. Like you said last week, this was one of the Honda last year was one of your best weeks you'd had. It started a good run for you. It's, it's true. It was, um, yeah, I mean, like Mackenzie Hughes being up there, like that's that was that's crazy. Insane, like I was, right? I was looking at it while I was on the golf course on yesterday, and I was like, "What the hell? Where did Mackenzie Hughes I mean, come from?" Like name names in the top, in the top, like Mackenzie Hughes, uh, Brendan Steele popping, Cameron Davis, Russell Henley, Bryce Garnett, uh, Robbie Shelton's done nothing lately. Luke Donald is, you know, he's a history here guy here, but I mean. It's an interesting golf tournament. The Honda is very unique. We all need to remember that next year. We will do our best to uh, remind you of that next year. Your perfect lineup, we talk about this every week, in DraftKings would have been Sung Jae, Mackenzie Hughes, who if you had him, oh my God, Tommy Fleetwood, Byung-Hun Ann, Brendan Steele, and Mark Hubbard. You would have scored 507 points, and you would have spent $49,600 uh, on a DraftKings last week. So, yeah. Anything else to add with the Honda? No, I'm putting okay. that one behind behind me. So, <clears throat> yeah, put it behind you. Um, I do want to let everybody know who's in the Masters $500 swag giveaway. Uh, that drawing is going to be done on Friday. Drawing going to be done Friday. So, um, just be prepared. Follow us on social media tour jun- at tour underscore junkies on Twitter and Instagram. That drawing will be uh, yeah, will be Friday. Let's talk about the Just the Tip segment tonight. Welcome to Just the Tip. We're going to talk to our beginners. Um, we've, we've, like I said, we've had, we've had a few more of those lately, Pat. I want to talk through some, some cash game stuff and a little bit of tournament stuff as well. But like, if you are just starting to play Daily Fantasy Golf, what you should do, what you should expect, um, where we recommend your money going, uh, on DraftKings or FanDuel or wherever you play. Uh, we've been doing this five years. We, we got in early. We started doing this uh, We started doing this freaking I don't, 2015 when DraftKings first started. We've learned a lot, um, and the game has changed since we first started playing. So, um, Pat, I'll let you kind of open us up. What would be – where would you like to start in terms of helping out our beginner friends? Mm. Well, I think anything when you're looking at um, a beginner – Actually, I think you could start with probably some of the free contests out there. So there, there's a ton of free contests that DraftKings and whoever else you might play, um, you know, that they put out there. So it gives you a chance to 
not lose any money, not have anything on the table, and sort of learn learn the game, learn the point system, learn all that stuff. You need to read that, by the way. I mean, just just read the point system uh, so that you can figure out you know how you gain points and all that kind of stuff. It, it, you know, finishing position and all that. Um, so I think you know if you're starting out, you want to definitely go for a few weeks playing the free, you know, just those free rolls and whatever else, and see what happens. Um, but really, it starts with cash. I mean, I think you're if you're wanting to build a bankroll, uh, you, you got to start playing your cash games, uh, your double ups, your fifty fifties, those kind of things. That that is where you're really gonna um, you've got a better chance at least because you only have to beat for the most part half the field that you're playing against. Um, to, Hang on. To... Can I pause and just totally swerve here? Yeah. I want to do a Xander bet. Okay, what do you want to do? Well, what do you think? What, I mean, you don't think Xander's going to do that well. I do. So we need to give. We need to do some sort of finish position or DraftKings points or something like that. I think finish position is probably easier to keep track of. And I say that the loser gets the henna tattoo tramp stamp on their back on Monday live on the podcast. I mean, you're kind of catching me off guard with that. <laughs> I don't really know. You don't want to do it? You mean a you tramp scared? stamp? Like, is that something like on that goes on your ass or something? Well, like right above it. Yeah. It's just a temporary henna tattoo. How that long does that have confident. to be there? Well, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be there that long, but I mean, you know what I mean. Like, you, you can't. You notice like, I'm, I'm picking up and, and picking up my drink glass more like more rapidly than normal, which is a <laughs> lot. Um, Come on, okay. we're talking about doing listener bet. We've been talking about doing these bets. Let's do it. I'll what roll the think? dice. I mean, look, I'm. I mean, look, I don't. I don't hate Xander. I just don't. I think he's he's going to disappoint a lot of people this week. All right, top. Top t- top twenty. Hmm. His odds are probably really good for top twenty. I mean, he's probably like four or five to one to t- to top twenty this field or this tournament. Hmm. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what he is. Now I'm gonna have to get into it because I'm. Uh. He's got a. He's got a. He's according. He's got a forty-six percent chance of finishing top twenty. All right. I think that. I think that for him. I'm just putting a fade number, like where I feel like I'm happy that I faded him. Okay. All right. Would be if he is outside of the top fifteen. Now there could be some okay. DraftKings scoring points there that could probably be iffy, but right. I think he finished. I think he finishes outside of the top fifteen, and I'll bet whatever you want that, that he does. So it's so it's T fifteen. Uh, so so you're so you're saying T sixteen or worse? Yes. Um, will you give me T seventeen or worse? Okay, I'll give you T17 or worse. T17 or worse. If he finishes T17 
T17 or worse, then I am getting the henna tattoo in my tramp stamp mark on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And if not, then you are. Deal? Okay, I'll do it. Fine. We got a bet. Let's go. Okay. Um, all right. So back to our back to our cash game. You, you recommended starting off uh, with with a free contest, kind of learning it, reading about the scoring, getting into the cash, blah blah blah. Right? Yeah. Then yeah, I think you play. Okay. You definitely go with your your if you're if you're playing a smaller amount, you go with your five, your ten dollar, your twenty five dollar double ups. I mean, we like seeing green screens. I don't I don't care if it's in a yeah. If it's in a tournament or what it's in, if I'm seeing my money doubled or whatever, I'm loving it. So you know, don't don't. I think being tempted by the big money that's in the tournaments and all that kind of stuff is a mistake, especially when you're you're just starting out. I mean, just you know, try to slowly grow that bankroll. Um, play those five, ten dollar, twenty five dollar double ups. See how you do. And then get into the tournaments once you get all that up there. You know, you get up, you know, get a get a higher bankroll and that kind of stuff. And then if I'm going into the tournament, so I'm going to start with. I think you play the single entries. You play. There's a five dollar single entry that's pretty big. There's a twelve dollar. There's a thirty three dollar single entry that's big. Uh, I think those are the ones that you play in when it comes to the tournaments um, because those. Those, those, that five dollar, you know, a hundred thousand dollars to first is fun to play, and I always put a few entries in there just because I, I just feel like I, I, I like to have some entries in there, um, and I, and, you know, I think that, and there's always a chance you could win. You never know, but I, you're you're in with the sharks there. You're in with the guys that are maxing out, you know, a hundred and fifty entries and that kind of stuff. So, if you want to start with a tournament. That is got a decent prize for first. I like that that twenty max three dollar tournament. I think that's a good one to play in uh, because it's sixty dollars. Uh, you know, you're you're maxing out only at twenty entries. So I think you're lev- the, the playing field's leveled a little bit compared to the the sharks that are out there. So. That's what I would say as far as some of the contests are concerned. When you're a beginner, whether it's cash, GPP. And uh, kind of ramble a little bit, but there you go. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I agree. You gotta, you gotta start. I, I guess the biggest fear is that if you're starting in this, you're gonna lose interest. You're gonna, you're gonna be discouraged. You're gonna be deleting the app too quickly if you don't give yourself a chance to see the green screens, right? To see the screens light up green and win some money. And that's the thing, like. You need to start there, and if you if you jump in there because you're excited about the, the the prize pool or whatever, everybody needs to know that there are a lot of sharp players out there. There are a lot of sharp players in all in all kind of contests. You know, five years ago when we first started, that was not the case. There were very few and far between. We didn't have the data that we have. We didn't have the number of podcasts and blogs and YouTube videos and all the you know tool sites and all this kind of stuff. Right? You didn't have any of that. Um, but now there are a lot of people that know a, a lot of information. And, um, so if you, if you don't want to just, we just don't want you to get discouraged. So that's why we encourage you starting in the cash, uh, in the cash world, because you're more likely to, as you learn the game week by week and you understand the ebbs and flows of the scoring and you start to realize, you know, lineup construction stuff where you're like, okay, 
maybe I, maybe I shouldn't approach lineup construction this way or that way. As you start to learn those things, you at least give yourself, you know, a chance to finish in the top 40 to, to 45% of a cash contest and double your money. Um, but a couple of other things to know, like right off the bat, even the pros, even the sharps, and we know a lot of them, a lot of them. We talk to a lot of them. We know a lot of them. They, they lose more weeks than they win. They seriously do. They lose more weeks than they win. You're only going to see the screenshots on Twitter on the weeks they win. Uh, and even sometimes those screenshots are deceiving because they're not showing you what they put in. We are losing more weeks than we win, okay? No matter the contest that you pick. It's, it's a hard game, and, and like I said, so many people know so much information. So you need to know that going in. Um, you know, I don't mind if you want to start out in, in some tournaments, some some low-cost tournaments as well. Pat mentioned the three, uh, $3.20 20 max. Uh, you know, I, I'll, that that's a fine tournament if you want. Um, just know that, like, the, the more entries in a, in a GPP, in a tournament, the more entries, the more perfect that lineup's got to be to, to finish in that top, you know, top five spots, that top, you know, half a percent. Um, the more perfect that lineup's got to be. Those 150 max entry tournaments, you know, there's a lot of sharps that are buying up all those, you know, 150 max entries, and they have a statistical advantage when they do that, and and so you lose your edge there as well. Um, now, in terms of cash, though, Pat, like, what's our golden rule when it comes to playing cash games? Whether you're playing double ups or 50/50s or head-to-heads, what is our golden rule that we tell everybody in cash? Well, the golden rule is, well, well, for me, I don't know, you're putting me on the spot here, but you want a guy that makes the damn cut. Yes. So yes, that's that, it. that is it. And so you tend to want to, you, you need to play more balanced type lineups. You don't need to take risk taking those 6K guys. I mean, they're a reason they're down in that range. Um, you could even look at their odds compared to what their price is. I mean, that is you've got to get six of six through in that in that in those cash lineups and some some weeks you can get you can cash with five of six but for the most part yes gotta make the cut yeah uh, you know so first of all let's let's say this too about head-to-heads we do not recommend if you're starting out you play a head-to-head most of the head-to-heads even though you think, oh, I can beat one person, most of the head-to-head games out there are also sharps. Now, I do think DraftKings will match you with players of your skill set, but I would just say, let's just not mess with that. Let's not let's not play the head-to-heads. Actually, if you're listening to this podcast and you're already out there seeking information that would help you, um, you, you know, that would help you be better at DFS or golf betting. So, to me, if you're going to play a 50-50 or a double up. Play the largest ones you can find. So if you if you want to play, you know, twenty five dollars, um, then play the biggest the biggest double up for twenty five dollars you can find, because the more entries, the, the the more variance and the more likely you are because you're one coming to to us or other sources seeking out, you know, good information. Whereas other people may just be flippantly throwing a, a throwing something in there and they have no clue what they're doing. You get more of those the larger the the you know the, the cash contest. So I would say play 50/50s, play double ups, and play the biggest ones that you can play uh, for whatever entry amounts you want to do. And then it is exactly what Pat said. Only worry about getting six players through the cut. That's it. That don't 
and this is something we've talked about in a couple of videos we've done lately, it is very tempting to want to play Rory in cash or, you know, let's look at this week, or Fleetwood. He's playing so good, i got to have Fleetwood in cash. Um, and you, then you're, you can you're, do that. You're squeezing yourself out of, of uh, yeah. being able to play guys that are, have way better chances of making the cut if you do that. You know, looking back over the last five years of doing this, statistically, guys that are priced in that 7,500 and above range are are way more likely to. Now, do we find values below 7,500? 100%. Yes, we do. You know, but uh, statistically, the reason they are there is based on Vegas odds and implied odds. And so at 7,500 or above, you know, that's, that's, those are your guys that are more likely to make the cut. So, having a very balanced well-rounded lineup when we say balanced lineup that is what we're talking about you cannot get suckered into playing those guys up top that are then going to make you dip into the 7100 the 6800 range it'll hit every now and then but over the long term that is not going to be the strategy that you need remember in cash and 50 50s and double ups it doesn't matter if you finish first in the whole contest or you're the last person in the payout zone you get the same amount of money so you don't yeah. have to have Rory. You don't have to have Fleetwood. This I'm using this week as an example. You don't have to have all that. You just need six guys to make the cut. And unless it's a no-cut event, probably 97 times out of 100, if you get six of six through the cut in a cash contest, you are going to cash. End of, end of story. You know, you get five of six, it's iffy. You get four of six, you can forget it. So... The biggest number one thing if you're just starting out, go play in a large cash double up or 50-50 and go balanced and just forget the top four or five guys. You don't need them. Just stay balanced. Go balanced approach. Um, that being I said, think, I still think you if, if, if you've got like a cash lineup that you, you just – you love or whatever you know or you you're playing in you know multiple type you know double ups or um 50 50s you gotta at least spend the the five dollars to throw it into the big tournament just just do it because you will kill you will be kicking yourself if that lineup just happens to just absolutely kill it and you didn't you didn't put it in a tournament lineup so i think and you don't spend a lot you got to be disciplined about that. Just pick your favorite one, throw it in there into a tournament, and then just see what happens. But uh, I think that's yeah, important that, as well. That's true. That was a hard lesson that, that I think Pat learned early on. I learned, I learned very early on. I had a very – yeah. yeah, you end up building a cash lineup that is literally the nuts, and, and it basically doubles you up, and you think, and you, then you go back on Sunday and you realize what it would have done had you put it in a tournament, and you're going you're gonna, to – not be happy so at minimum take that lineup and throw it in the one dollar the two dollar the three dollar the whatever it doesn't matter what tournament you want to throw it in but put it somewhere um so that you can uh so that you, you won't be you know super upset um but yeah and then and then after that you know as you dabble into tournaments because listen here's the other thing playing cash contests aren't that fun like long term to me they're not I mean, well, because we all, everybody wants the big payday. I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like when you're you're playing roulette or whatever. I mean, you want to hit your number. You want your number to hit. You don't want to, yeah. you don't yeah. want to hit, you know, 
black or red, which is 50-50 basically. I mean, you want to hit yeah. you want to hit the number and hit 36 to 1, which is what you're you're looking at for these tournaments. So, I mean, eventually I think that's 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 where you want to get to and you want to play those and you want to do that, but if you're just starting out, it's it's a losing yeah. venture. <laughs> that's what's a, yeah, but as you get bored with it and you are and you have somewhat of a bankroll or whatever and you want to start getting into tournaments, um, I, yeah, couldn't agree more. Single entries, three max entries, um, those are the way to go. Just stick with those, um, yeah, and, and go from there. So good stuff, Pat. Hopefully that gave some of our new listeners, new, you know, new players um, – a little bit of a little bit of insight. We don't want you to waste your money, and we don't want you to get bored with it. We want you to enjoy it. We want you to win some money, win some weeks. That's what keeps you coming back. And uh, you know, if you keep doing that, then you, hopefully you keep coming to us. So, I think that does it, Pat. The next time we do this podcast, you and I will be in person, and it will be the week of the players, and it will be very, very good. And hopefully, we have come off some green screens for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And we'll have a bigger bankroll for next week. We just blow it. I'm looking forward to it. I might have to play some cash this week. I'm, I feel like I've talked myself into playing a little more cash than I <laughs> typically do. So we'll see. Nice. Okay. Well, we got to do the DraftKings After Dark show over on YouTube. So let's go. Let's go knock that out. Everybody needs to go check that out if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. May your screens be green. See ya.